Welcome to church. If you're joining us for the first time tonight, we really want to say welcome. We're really um, glad that you've chosen to join us tonight. Um, We are starting with a sermon series through the book of Ephesians, all right? So, whom of you know Ephesians, the first book after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Not? Okay, good. (laughs) Just testing whether you guys know your Bibles. No, so it's New Testament, one of Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus, um, one of my personal favorite letters of Paul. Um, where he speaks to the church in Ephesus, and there's this incredible theme throughout this book that we're going to be unpacking until the end of the year. So we'll be preaching through the whole book of Ephesians, um, one chapter a week, and if you go to the next slide, um, there's a version Bible reading plan that we want to invite you to join us with. So if you go to highfeld.online, then you'll see right at the front page, there's a space where you can click on the link. It'll take you to the reading plan, and we want to invite you to read through the book of Ephesians with us. There's a space where you can make comments and interact with um, one another's comments as well. Um, so that's going to be cool to be able to read together. But if you go to, I think it's the next slide, this one. Um, so the tagline is, it's the incredible story of God, us, and the church. And part of Jamie's word as well is that there's often this space where we live our lives in comparison to other people, either to an ideal we have over ourselves or to real people that we may try to measure up with. Um, and Philip Pretorius, who leads our citywide church, he says, when you compete, when you compare, you compete, and when you compete, you are incomplete. Um, and often it's our insecurities that fuel a lot of this comparison. And we try to measure up at work, we try to measure up at home, we try to measure up amongst our peers and all of that. And three things that this book of Ephesians addresses so clearly is the revelation of God, to know God. And friends, this is important because your whole life is a response to how you view God. Everything in your life is a response to how you view God. So throughout the series, we're trusting that God will come and reveal himself to you. The second part is that there's an identity locked up for every single one of us, um, that your identity can be secured. And whom of you would love to have a secure identity when people's opinions don't influence you that much? All right? <laughs> Some of you don't want to raise your hands because you think people will have an opinion of you. And then you... <laughs> no, so, uh, and I think that's so often the space where the enemy wants us to be insecure and then he, um, or he cuts off your legs so that you can't run with the purposes of God over your life. Um, so he leaves you... Um, in a place of bondage. And then the third theme that comes out so clearly, and maybe the, the book of Ephesians is the one where we see this picture or this, this purpose of the church proclaimed very clearly, that not only does God reveal himself to us, but he gives us a new identity, but he places us within something called the church. All right, whom of you have heard that slogan that you don't need to go to church to be a Christian? All right, <laughs> all of us have seen it somewhere. So throughout the series, we're going to take a deep look at what is the church. Um, so if, if the church is something that's important to Jesus, what does it mean? What does it look like? And how do we participate in it? So tonight we are starting with chapter one. So I'm going to invite Andre up. Um, are you preaching with this one? Okay. Um, I'll sort the other one. Uh, if you've got long legs like, like Andre, then this is yours. <laughs> this is the steps. <laughs> um, yeah, so Andre's going to take us into chapter one. Um, So if you've got your Bible handy or your phone, you can go to Ephesians chapter 1, and then let's just stretch out our hands and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the word, Lord, that you've prepared in Andre's heart for tonight. 
Um, and Lord, as we've prayed previously, we want to come and bring our lives under the authority of Scripture. We believe, Lord, that your word is alive and active and that your word will accomplish what you sent it forth to do. And tonight, we want to choose to just bring our lives under the authority of your Scripture. Will your, also, your Scripture comes and speaks to us, comes and reveals God to us. Um, and we want to open up our hearts, Holy Spirit, for you to move and for you to work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Yaku. And welcome, everyone, from my side. And it's nice to see each and every one of you. Um, yeah, I'm going to jump straight into it. So, while I was praising and worshiping, I just felt the Lord say that tonight He wants to break down the walls of separation that we build ourselves that keeps us from God, that we build in our hearts, that we build with our minds, that we just feel is always there that hinders us from going into God's presence. And uh, so, yeah, and then secondly, I just want to pray for us. I want to really petition the Holy Spirit that He will come and meet us, that He will that He will be the one that is coming, breaking down the walls that comes and works in our lives. So if you want the Holy Spirit to come and work in your life tonight, come and touch you, come and reveal something to you, come and speak something to you. Just go into a posture of receiving as I'm praying. So Lord, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, come and meet us. Come and speak to us. Come and touch us. Come with your power, come with your comfort, come with your presence, come with your wisdom. Come and lead us and come and teach us. Come and encounter us. Bring your living water so that we will continue not to thirst anymore. Amen. Okay, so Ephesians 1. It starts off like any good conversation should start off. Paul greeting the people that he's writing the letter to. So it's quite obvious when you go and speak to someone, you say, hello, Khandet, hope you're doing well, and all that type of stuff. So he starts off by, by greeting the church, and immediately after the greeting, he just unleashes <laughs> like an entire mouthful of spiritual blessings which we have been blessed with in Jesus. And he uses the longest sentences that you'll ever encounter in your life, as just Paul can do, with a comma here and a double point there and another comma here, and, a, and it, it just keeps on going. And whenever you think at the end of the sentence, it's another sentence. So just to simplify it a little bit, I just made a few bullet points of the spiritual blessings that we have already been blessed with, according to Paul, from verses 3 to verses 14 in Ephesians 1. So he starts off by saying, but blessed be the Father who has blessed us. So our blessings is so that we can bless the Father. Okay. But then he says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now that sounds extremely fancy and that sounds powerful and that sounds amazing. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Secondly, he chose us from before the foundation of the world to be holy before Him. That's a tremendous sense of purpose that, is, that has existed since 
before the world was created and will continue to exist forever. But we will be holy before Him. He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Christ. So even before we were created, He already had a plan that we should be His children in Christ. He's given us the redemption through Christ's blood. So that wall that was separating us between, that was separating us from God was broken down through the redemption through God, uh, Jesus' blood. He gave us the forgiveness of our trespasses. And I'm so glad for this one because me, myself, I have so many trespasses and I'm glad to be forgiven for that. So that I don't have to walk around with that guilt and that condemnation and all of the stuff of in my life anymore, but I can know and I can take a deep breath and I can exhale just like we did now when Jamie was up uh, on the stage. We can know we have been forgiven. Then it says he has blessed us with the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Now lavish is quite a nice word because it's not something that you just give sparingly, but lavish is like you give it in abundance. If I have to lavish this wall with something, I will cover it completely with it. So not just a little bit here, a little bit there, but He's lavished His grace upon us in all wisdom and insight. And I don't think we can even begin to comprehend what that means. We can have little glimpses of the physical and the spiritual reality of that sentence. Then he says, he has blessed us in Christ and he has made known to us the mystery of his will. A plan for the fullness of time to have all things united in Christ. So that is God's will. We know that God's will is that all things will be united in him, in heaven and in earth, will be united in him. So if you want to pray a a powerful prayer that is according to the will of God and a prayer that he will answer, Lord, unite us. There was a group of very powerful Christians in, I think it's the 1700s and 1800s, called the Moravians. And that entire movement started on a sermon on unity. And when they decided to move in unity, the Lord used them to a very, 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 very great extent. And the effects of what they did could be, is still felt in the world up until this day. And it started with a sermon on unity. Because it's God's will. Everything should be united in Him. Everything in heaven and everything on earth. Further, we have been blessed that we have obtained an inheritance. So we have something that we are going to receive from God, an inheritance. And part of that inheritance is that we can inherit eternal life. And then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So for me, 
I'm blessed enough to be able to speak in tongues. So whenever maybe I have some doubt on whether I have an inheritance, I will just start speaking in tongues because I've been sealed of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the, it says, the guarantee that I am going to receive the inheritance. So when I speak in the Holy Spirit, I know that I have the Holy Spirit within me and therefore I have the guarantee. that I will acquire the inheritance. And then through this, Paul says that all spiritual blessings are to the praise of God's glory and His glorious grace. So that is a mouthful. And the things that I just mentioned is so awesome. It is so amazing, so beyond comprehension. And then Paul goes in verse 15 and he says, For this reason, because of all of these spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with, for this reason. And then he says the following, and I'm going to read from verse 15 to verse 23. It starts off, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And what breaks my brain about what I've just read is Paul starts off with all of these spiritual blessings. And it sounds amazing. And it's things that we, will, we can't even wrap our heads around. And then he goes and he prays a prayer and says, But may the Lord give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father of glory. So he says, in spite of all of these spiritual blessings that you've already received, I pray that you may get to know God more. That the spirit will help you in his wisdom and in his revelation that you can get to know the Father of glory even more. Just think about that for a moment. Think about the weight of comparing that to all of the spiritual blessings. And for, the reason, for that reason, he's praying that over us. That we may even know the God, the God our Father even more. And the two pieces of Scripture that, that really broke this portion of Scripture open for me and this is a piece of scripture that I've been praying into for, for months now. And, I, and I'm planning on praying it into for even years and maybe even decades because I will never go away from this. And you guys will see why 
But what broke this open for me is two very, or one very well-known verse, but the other one which actually gives us the key to this very well-known verse. And John 3.16 says that, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him will not perish, but may have eternal life. And then in John 17 verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they will know the Father, and that, he will know, that they will know the one whom you have sent, Jesus Christ. So knowing the Father and knowing Jesus is eternal life. And if you connect eternal life to knowing God, that is a long time to know God. That is a long time to get to know God. But that is eternal life. That we will know God and that we will know Jesus. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes into and it leads us into eternal life as well as it makes known to us the Father so that we can have the knowledge of the Father. And this knowledge is not intellectual knowledge because it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So it's not something that we receive through an intellectual reasoning or applying our mind to study as much to receive knowledge. No, it's a process of engaging with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to teach us, allowing Him to show us, allowing Him to give us the wisdom, allowing Him to reveal to us the Father. And if we are going to be knowing God for all of eternity, He won't just be revealing the Father to us once or twice or three or four or five or six times. He will continue to reveal the Father to us. In Revelation 4, it speaks of how the 24 elders is around God's throne. And the four living creatures, they cry out, Holy, holy, holy. And then the 24 elders, they bow down before God and they cast down their crowns. And they do that for all of eternity. So for all of eternity, we will be in a space of being shown something about God that we do not know. And now you guys know why this is so why Paul says that for the spiritual blessings leads us into this so that we can get to know God. So for myself, as I've been praying into this piece of scripture over the past months, the things that you get to know about God, you get to know His character, the fact that He is gracious, the fact that He is merciful, the fact that He is steadfast, and that his love is steadfast. The fact that he is faithful. That he is eternal. That he is a loving father. And there's so many things that we get to know about him. But we don't just get to, I just don't get to know about that things about him in my head. But I get to experience it in my life as I engage my faith with him. And when I am shown more knowledge about God and I start to know more about Him not just in an in a experiential way that it starts to affect my confidence that I have in living for Him. Every time that I take a leap of faith or I take a step of faith and God comes through for me, I get to know His faithfulness. I get to know His steadfastness. I get to know that He's true to His promises. And what that causes to happen in me 
is that I get to have more confidence in God's character, get more confidence in His nature, more confidence in His ways. And I get to trust Him more. And that in its turn causes me to have one, two, take even bigger leaps of faith for God. And then that piece of scripture that Paul says that we go from faith to faith, that, that piece of scripture starts becoming a reality, that you go from faith to faith, that you are always putting the things that has already happened behind you, and you are going forward, looking at the prize that has been given before so that we can live for God and live for His kingdom. So it starts to change my desires. That's what I want to get out of life. As I get to know God more, He shows me that the things that I'm living for currently will not be able to satisfy me. It does not bring purpose into my life. It does not bring destiny into my life. And He shows those things to me. And He gives me a choice and He's inviting me to say, do you want to let go of this? And do you want to allow me to draw you deeper into me? To show you more of who I am. To show you the life that you've actually been created to live. Just let that sink in for a moment. The invitation that God is giving us. God wants to break down the boredom that we have with Him. Because let's face it, we as Christians can get really bored with God really quickly. And then we go on and we go on with the rest of our lives. But why do we get bored with God? Because we don't know Him. Because if we really know God for who He really is, we will not get bored with Him ever. So the mere fact that even myself, when, when I've been Maybe in an hour of prayer, maybe I get bored of being in my time of prayer. That reveals to me that there's still something in me that needs to happen so that I can see more of God. Because it's impossible to be bored with the Creator that spoke everything into being. So this message is not a message of condemnation or of conviction. It's a message of saying that God wants to draw us deeper, not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but for the rest of eternity. And that is why Paul prays that, Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are, the Father of glory. And then he goes on to say, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So when we start to encounter the knowledge of who God is, that experiential knowledge of knowing God, of trusting God, of having confidence in God, of allowing Him to shape our lives, our hearts are transformed. And the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. Now, I'm not going to suppose that I know everything what that means. Because when I open up my heart, there's no eyes there. <laughs> but what I do know is that something happens in my heart that I start to see, even in my emotions, even in my mind, even in my heart, in what I desire, in what I think about my life, I start to see the world around me differently. And then Paul says, as the eyes of your, of your heart is enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. 
so that as we know that hope to which you have called, called us, it fuels us so that we keep on living and keep on engaging with him because we know we have something that we are wo- working towards and that we may know that now already, that we can experience now already the hope to which he has, has called us so that he can bring his hope into that hopeless situations in our lives, or even those impossible situations in our lives, we will say, but this will never be able to happen. But God wants us to know the hope to what he has called us for. And Jesus himself said that that which is impossible for man is possible for God. And he refers to that as people being saved. But I also take that as a promise that even greater things than that, God is inviting us into. God wants to partner with us that we will see the impossible things happen. But we will not experience the impossible things happening on a regular basis if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to start revealing God more and more to us. Then it says that, we will know what are the riches of His glory and inheritance in the saints. In the spiritual blessings part of the scripture, He said that we can know that we've obtained an inheritance. And now He goes further and He says that we may know what that inheritance is. And it's something that we can inherit now already. We can now already know that we have an inheritance that we can hear God's voice. Because he has a promise and he says, my sheep will know my voice. That's an inheritance. That's something that we can have. An inheritance for us is that we can be children in his house. And therefore, because we are children in his house, he will treat us as children. That is an inheritance for us. An inheritance for us is that we do not have to submit to what this world wants to give us. We do not have to submit to the ways of this world and the desires of this world because he has given us the inheritance of being his sons, of being made free, of saying, but we are not submitting to this anymore. We are not saying yes to this anymore. These things that wants to come into our lives, that wants to hinder us from knowing God. And that is an inheritance that we have, that we can in this life already get to know God. We do not have to wait until we die before we inherit eternal life. Eternal life is happening now already in each and every person that knows God. And it will continue to happen until all of eternity. Then it says, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe? Now, immeasurable greatness, that means it's greatness that cannot be measured. In, in Isaiah 40, God asks the question, says, to what will you compare me? And even God himself does not answer that question because there's nothing that he can be compared to. And that's in the same sense that it's an immeasurable greatness of God. It cannot be measured how great he is. And our logical minds struggle with that. But it's a mystery, and we are invited into that mystery. And then it says that the power that comes from knowing God is the same power 
It was worked in Christ when he was raised from the dead. So it's a resurrection power that's coming into our lives. So that means that we do not have to settle for the things in our lives that wants to cause us to die spiritually. But we can be renewed in our inner being from day to day. Now, before I uh, go on to verse 21, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Paul says that there's three specific things that wants to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. The first of all, it's strongholds. The second one is arguments. And the third one is opinions. And all of those things are things of the world. And what happens is that the things of this world, the traditions of this world, the ways of this world, the desires of this world wants to come into our lives and it wants to elevate itself above the knowledge of God. And if I take a look at the world around me, it's been doing a really good job because we are so bored with God. And the fact that we are bored with God is testimony that we've allowed the world to come into our lives and elevate itself above the knowledge of God. There's arguments, there's opinions that wants to come into our lives, that wants to cause us not to know God. But luckily, we have the inheritance that we do not have to be condemned to the world overpowering us. Because Jesus says that I have already overcome the world. And he says this is the thing in us which, has, which is also overcoming the world, and it's our faith. Our faith in Him. So once again, that comes back to the more we get to know God, the more we ask the Spirit to come and reveal God to us, the more it enables us to live in faith. And the more we live in faith, the more we overcome the world. So our overcoming the world is not of our own effort. It's not of our own power. But it's, it's an act of the Spirit continuing revealing God to us. And as we continually behold God, we cannot but not have confidence in Him. If I go to my dad and I ask him, Dad, will you give me a thousand rand? And he says, I don't have a thousand rand now, but I'll give you a thousand rand next week. I'm not going to walk around for a week and wonder, I wonder if he's going to give me a thousand rand. I wonder, I, I wonder, I wonder if he's going to produce the goods. No, because I know my dad, I know that when come next week, the thousand rand will be ready. And that is the type of confidence that God wants us to have in his character. That is the type of confidence that he is drawing us into. And as I go on from verse 21, this is so amazing for me because this God that we are speaking about, this God that is inviting us to know Him and to get to know Him for all of eternity, it says that He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, 
not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the God that we are getting to know is absolute authority. For the comic book geeks, he is the one above all. Literally, he is the one above all. So Marvel might want to steal that from God, but that is who God is. He is the one above all. And the world wants to come and steal God's identity, but they, they can't. And if we engage with who God is, with the knowledge of him, we will know that nothing, nothing can come and stand against him. So I am so, so aware of how I need to grow in my knowledge of God. I'm the first person to say that I, don't, I haven't even begun. I've only dipped my toes in the water of getting to know God. And that is why I said, for the rest of my life, I will be praying into this verse. I will be praying this verse over anybody that I know. I will be praying this verse over the world, over communities, over churches, over people that are unchurched. Wherever I go, I will be praying that the God, that the Holy Spirit will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father of glory. So if you are at a place where you feel that you also feel you need more of God, you need to know Him more, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be praying this piece of Scripture over us. And if you want to engage with this prayer, just stand and go into a position of receiving and just saying, Lord, I invite you into my life to come and reveal yourself to me. Holy Spirit, I just want to come and pray. I pray that you will give us the wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of the Father of glory. I pray that you will come and open up and enlighten the eyes of our hearts. I pray that we will know what is the hope to which you have called us. I pray that we will know the riches of your glorious inheritance. I pray that we will know the immeasurable greatness of your power towards us who believe. Holy Spirit, and I pray that you will come and manifest the resurrection power of Christ in us. That you will come and resurrect that in us which have died that you will come and resurrect in us that places where we've given up that we will come and resurrect those places where we feel we are not good enough that you will come and resurrect your dreams and your destinies Lord that you will come and call us and that you will come and empower us through the knowledge of the Father of glory Amen.
Now, because we are a church, we don't just want to speak the word, but we also want to live the word. And we also want to create a place where we can be church to one another. Because church is not me standing here and preaching to you guys. That's a very, very, very small part of church. It's a part of church. It's not, it not, it's not church. So I want to invite us to turn two, two to one another and to just share what this message spoke to us and share maybe there's something that is currently in our lives that is wanting to elevate itself above the knowledge of God in our lives so that we can pray for one another, so that we can invite the Holy Spirit into those places. Church is a place where we can be vulnerable. If we, if we can't stand in here, we will never stand out there. That is so true. If we can't be vulnerable towards someone who is a fellow believer, we will not be able to walk in vulnerability toward to people who are not in this church, who are not in the church. So I really want to encourage you to just take time to respond and let the Holy Spirit come and work in each and every one of us.